Thank you. So, so good to be here, Francisca and Evelyn. Lovely listening to your little chit chat at the start. <laughs> For me, Sargassum embodies waste to wealth. You know, I live uh, in the Southern Caribbean on the island of Tobago, and we've been seeing Sargassum washing up here um, seasonally, as you know, but generally months of May, June, and tourism being um, one of the key motors of the economy here. It's been a real challenge, just as elsewhere in the Caribbean, and so it's it's still regarded as a waste and quite a nuisance um, in Tobago. But thanks to another lens that I have as an interpreter, I've been able to see that waste and think of it as a, a pathway to wealth in terms of transforming the sargassum into something that can be used. Correct. So we've been seeing, you know, these floating rafts of sargassum since about 2015. Um, and as I said, it's at some times of the year, it, it covers the entire shoreline. I live on the eastern coast, which is the Atlantic coastline. And so that is where the sargassum arrives first before it penetrates into areas on the Caribbean seaside. And so from where I live, I could literally see the sargassum floating in uh, and then washing up on the shore. It has impacted the tourism sector. Um, though, so Tobago is part of the twin island republic of Trinidad and Tobago, Trinidad being more commercial and industrial, but Tobago very, very much anchored in tourism. And so like most of the other Caribbean islands that depend on, you know, the pristine waters and that sort of postcard perfect images of, of sandy shorelines, Tobago has been impacted and Tobago's tourism has been impacted by the, the volume, the sheer volume of sargassum that has been washing up. And so, you know, the, the, the local government has, has had to invest a lot of resources to remove sargassum from the shoreline to ensure that you know the beaches are are beautiful and available to tourists and residents alike so that has been one of the major impacts of of sargassum and again this is no different to, to any of the of the other caribbean islands that have been impacted in the tourism sector um, mainly Great, thanks, thanks for that, Evelyn. So I, I should probably answer by, by saying that I'm aware of its benefits, thanks um, mainly to the conferences that I've worked in uh, as an interpreter. Um, I have interpreted for a series of webinars specifically on Sargassum that are, were funded by the Mexican government. I know you're based in, in Mexico, uh, Evelyn. And so it's thanks to, to 
the research coming out mainly from Mexico, Mexican researchers, that I was exposed to this knowledge about sargassum. And so according to the scientists, because I'm not a scientist, but according to the scientists, sargassum has both nutritional and medicinal properties, including the fact that it's, it's antifungal, it's antibacterial, antioxidant, meaning that it can help to slow down the aging process. Um, it also has a high iodine content. So even in terms of uh, the nutritional value, being able to eat sargassum, as, as I do personally, that's not a commercial product, but um, so it does have those, those benefits that have been uh, proven by mainly Mexican scientists uh, who started their research since 2011. So we're today benefiting from over 10 years of research uh, that has recently been made available publicly. And that's how I was able to access uh, this body of knowledge about sargassum and started doing my own experiments at home um, to see, you know, what, what could I do with this sargassum that's washing up at the beach just five minutes walk from my home, you know, I, I, I see it every day when, when it's voluminous and I just always looked at it to think, okay, there must be something that can be done. And thanks to that research that's been shared through scientific conferences, um, I have been able to, to extract some of that knowledge, some of the techniques and apply it at home, uh, which gave birth to uh, Spargasm, this line of cosmetics that that I created with my, my girlfriend and business partner who um, herself has been making cosmetics for about 12 years now. So it really is a team effort how we got to Spargasm today and that we're able to make these um, nutritional and medicinal properties of the Sargassum available to, to our customers. So, so it's interesting you raise that point, and um, it's something that I that I often get as a question, right? The thing is, a lot of the research available would have been based on samples coming out of the Gulf of Mexico. And again, I am not a scientist, but I am just applying common sense and logic. And to my mind, um, the profile of the Gulf of Mexico is going to be very different to the profile of the water that we have down in the Southern Caribbean. Of course, in Mexico, you know, you have a lot of oil and gas exploration. And I would imagine um, the pollution levels in the water could certainly um, be attributed to higher levels of, of heavy metal. Um, as far as the Southern Caribbean goes, again, this is just common sense to me. Uh, I feel fairly safe to to consume the sargassum that we get in the Southern Caribbean. And I would hasten to say that uh, I do harvest the sargassum at sea. So it's not yet washed up on the shore where it's mixed with sand or other land-based pollutants. That being said, specifically with regard to Spargasm, our, our line of cosmetics, we have gone through the lab testing. We, we've used the University of the West Indies lab out in Muna, Jamaica, and they have certified our samples as, as being within the normal, um, normal realm, normal rates of 
allowed uh, trace metals and, and, and way under actually. So that certainly reassures me that in terms of external use, it is good. And for me personally, um, I have been I have been experimenting with the sargassum in brownies in lasagna. Um, I've mixed it into pizza dough because I remember one of the uh, in one of the presentations from Mexican researchers they were they had mentioned making crackers and pizza with the sargassum. So I've tried that at home as well. And yes, I feel safe to eat it. I've been eating this since about twenty. 2019. Um, I'm still here. I'm still very healthy. It's not a commercial product that I would put out there on the market, but for my own personal consumption, yeah, I do feel I do feel uh, quite comfortable eating sargassum. And I, I would add, I have a few vegan friends here in Tobago who also eat sargassum just raw. Literally, just put some olive oil on it, like a salad. And uh, they, they eat it raw. So <laughs> if there are heavy metals in there, well, there's going to be heavy metals in us. But, you know, we're used to eating fish out here, right? Fish is, is, a, is one of our staple. We eat fresh fish. And when you think of what could be in the body of a fish, the fish could have mercury or other uh, trace metals as well. But we eat the fish and we don't, we don't stop to question whether the fish is, is going to poison us or not. So... I, I feel fairly safe eating it. Agreed. And, you know, I think unless you're growing your own food and you know the history of the soil where you're growing your food, you really don't know what you're putting into your body, right? Because you go, you go to the market, you trust the vendor, you don't know what pesticides they're using on the vegetables. Um, and, and I'll be cynical to go as far as saying even those who say that they're organic, unless you go visit their farm, and see what they're actually using. You just have to trust people. You you don't know for sure what's going into your your vegetables that you're buying. So I I will treat with uh, seafood in the same manner. We we don't know all that's in the ocean and 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 all that's in the fish or whatever seafood, whether it's sargassum or otherwise, uh, that we that we choose to eat. You know. So I think it's all, all things in moderation is is probably the the motto of of the day. You know what? For me, it just tastes like seafood. <laughs> it has a, it has a sort of salty taste. Um, though I wash it out, so I'll tell you, I I harvest it at sea. I go out into the water, like waist high, and I harvest at sea. Um, and I have a rainwater collection system at home, so I wash it out in rainwater as opposed to the the pipe borne water, which has a, a heavy concentration of of chloride. Uh, and so I wash it very carefully before consuming. And to me, it just has a light 
sort of seafood flavor, especially when I mix it into the pizza dough. It tastes like a seafood pizza. You can throw some salmon or anchovies on top of that with olives, and it just tastes like seafood to me. That's an interesting description. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe. Why not? Why not? Of course, you know, the, the arugula leaves are much bigger. So for, for the sargassum, what I do is I just I clip off just the leaves. I don't eat the stem of it. So I just clip off the leaves, which are very dainty, very small. And that is what I mix into, whether it's the brownies or actually the brownies with the sargassum have a uh, it tastes like a, a salted caramel brownie, I think just because of the salt iodine content, but it's, it's quite pleasant. It's quite pleasant. So I'll continue to eat it. You know, I, and again, I'm not, I'm not proning or preaching to anybody to go eat sargassum, but for me, it's, it is part of my, my diet and I do enjoy um, prepping it and experimenting with it. Sure. So as I mentioned earlier, you know, I, I had been observing sargassum and I had access to, to the research that this nuisance could actually be useful. And so with my girlfriend, Donna Lisa Phillips, she, she has been making her own line of cosmetics in Trinidad and Tobago for about 12 years. And so I uh, started to experiment with the sargassum based on the knowledge that I had acquired. And so she started experimenting and we were using it just between ourselves because, you know, we, we didn't want to put it out there. Next thing you know, somebody gets an allergic reaction or something. So we'd been using it just between ourselves in uh, a body oil and a soap, uh, soap form. And... What happened was shortly thereafter, the Inter-American Development Bank had a, an ideas competition, what they call the Tobago Blue Economy Ideas Competition. And at that time, we said, oh, well, let's pitch our, let's pitch our idea. You know, it was still very much sort of kitchen, kitchen experiments at the time. And so we pitched the idea of uh, Spargassum is a name that I came up with because it combines the spa products with Sargassum. And I just thought it sounded really nice. Um, and so we pitched the idea of developing a line of Sargassum-based spa products or cosmetics. And we were among six, um, six persons or six entities selected by the IDB for grant funding. And so with that grant funding, we were able to... Um, take the experiment a little further and actually do formal uh, formulations, uh, testing with the lab, getting feedback from uh, local technical uh, experts in terms of product development, um, bringing, bringing products to market. Uh, the IDB has that expertise within their staff, and so we were able to benefit from all of that technical support just beyond the idea because you know everybody can wake up with a great idea but how do you take uh, something from the ideation to the creation stage and so we were able to benefit from that thanks to the idb that process took about a year 
just going from the idea to to the actual product creation, product testing, developing uh, labels that are aligned with our local regulations, um, and then finally bringing the product to market, which we did in August 2023. Just two months ago, we, we launched um, two products, which are, I have, I actually have the prototype bottle here. This is the original prototype, no label or nothing. I think it looks pretty. You can actually see the sargassum there. And um, so it's, it's a body oil. And then we also have this soap bar. So this is the one that's fully dressed with a label. And uh, you can actually see the sargassum there. So it's got sargassum granules in it, but this gives it an exfoliating effect. So these were the two products that we launched coming out of that grant from the IDB. And we are still experimenting. We're looking at um, uh, facial scrubs, uh, facial masks with the sargassum, but it's, it's a long process to, to just launch a product. And so we're pursuing that, but we're very proud and, and happy to have been able to put out these two products. We're the first in Trinidad and Tobago to launch a sargassum-based product of any kind. It so happens that this is in the, the realm of cosmetics. Um, but we have now joined the ranks of other, other Caribbean islands like Barbados. Uh, there's a cosmetic line coming out of Barbados. We're aware of um, someone in St. Lucia that's doing organic fertilizers from the sargassum as well, out in Jamaica as well. So now Trinidad and Tobago can say that um, it has its own very first line of sargassum-based products. Sure. So, you know, we've experimented with quite a few things. And again, based on the research coming out of Mexico, which pointed to different ways of um, harvesting sargassum, different ways of treating it, different ways of processing it. So we eventually came down to taking the sargassum. So I have a bit of it here. This is the dried sargassum. Um, it looks very pretty, actually. It's very brittle. But this is, is essentially the sargassum that we, we harvest at sea. Again, we, we avoid harvesting it on the seashore because it's already mixed up with sand and other pollutants. So we wanna get it as pure as possible. So we harvest at sea. Um, we wash it thoroughly with rainwater. And that process basically takes away any residue of sand or, or the saltiness of the sea, of course. And, and that we put it to dry. Now, our dryer is very artisanal. Again, coming back to the Mexican research, we have uh, sort of little squares with uh, chicken, what we call chicken wire. And we put the sargassum there and just expose it to the sun. There's no, um, I would say, no unnatural treatment of it. It's completely natural. It's, it's dried by the sun. So this, this is rain washed, dried by the sun. And it gets to this pretty color. It gets quite brittle. I don't know if you can hear the sound. And we take this and then we, we grind this down in a blender. <laughs> and then this is what we get. So I'll just show you. I have this as a sample bottle. Whenever I do displays with the public, I show people. This is what it looks like ground. It almost looks like it could be coffee, actually. Uh, let me see if you can get my, yeah. So the, the video. So it's just a little granules. Uh, of the sargassum, so I'm getting it all my lopped up. Right, so you see, it's it's very pretty, right? And 
it's it's like little grains like powdered sargassum and so this is what we incorporate into the the soap bars so within the soap bars you have that sort of granulated finish and then we do put some bigger well i call them sort of strands um you have bigger strands of the sargassum that you can see here can't really see the granules too much but they're in there so that's for the for the soup with regard to the body oil so we have a male and female body oil shameless plug <laughs> this is the female this is the male one although i should say a lot of the a lot of the women actually like the the one that's male it, it has a more of a, a unisex fragrance but in there you'll notice in there you'll notice the the strands of sargassum are in there so the we, we use um, essential oils, uh, olive oil, sunflower oil, vitamin E oil, sweet almond oil. And we also add in the, the little strands of sargassum because the, the oils extract the properties from the sargassum. Um, and that has been shown in the lab, in the lab testing. So we know that the, the properties of the sargassum do get into, the, they penetrate the, the oil. Um, and so that's, those are the two products that we have. And the processing, as I said, you know, we're still very much an artisanal operation, cottage industry, if you like. We are currently in talks with um, companies out in the US to, to scale up our production um, and, and to be able to, to export our, our products. But for the time being, it's kitchen-based and it's artisanal and this is the magic magic ingredient, sargassum, turning waste into wealth. Well, there's a saying There's a saying that imitation is the best form of flattery. So we'd be flattered if people want to copy. But um, there are some secret ingredients in there and the formulation, you know, the recipe is still secret. But, but the process is quite easy. And I would like to encourage people, actually, to experiment with it. You know, experiment at home, um, outside of the cosmetics and, as I told you earlier, eating. I also use sargassum as uh, mulch in my garden. I have about a lot of land and I have all kinds of uh, produce growing and I found the the sargassum, well, at least the one that washes up on the shore, that one I can harvest it. And I use that as a mulch in my garden uh, and it's very effective um, against some pests that we have here called bachaks. It's like a big, a big ant that gnaws away at the leaves. And once the plants, the, the roots and the, the stem, the main trunk of the, the plants are surrounded by sargassum, the bachaks don't go anywhere near them. So it's also very useful in the garden. So I encourage people to experiment at home. Agreed, agreed. And that's something um, that's something, you know, as we spoke offline that certainly needs more 
more investigation in terms of the profile of the sargassum, the profile of you know where it's actually harvested, what are the properties of the sargassum based on where it's harvested, um, and you know what could be the uses of the sargassum depending on its geographic profile. So that's that's something I'm I'm also keen to learn more about. Thanks for that question, uh, Francisca. Yeah, so part of it is, um, I would say I have a natural inclination as an interpreter for research. I'm not a scientist, but I am a researcher. So I'm always, I'm always seeking out information. Um, that's part of my usual preparation for conferences. Sometimes we get, we get hired to do conferences that are highly technical. It could be in the medical field, could be in technology, banking, oil and gas, uh, environmental. Uh, I am not a specialist in any of those areas. So once I'm hired as, as an interpreter, I have to do my due diligence. I have to do my research to find out more about the topic, prepare glossaries to be able to translate from one language to another any body of knowledge. And so that is part of my own training. And I think uh, a byproduct of that training is just simply being on the lookout for information all the time, particularly information about things that I have no knowledge of. I, I have an insatiable quest uh, for knowledge. I think I have a uh, yeah, very high quotient of um, intellectual curiosity. And so I'm always looking for information. And because I'm actively looking, I find the information. And that's how I found the information about the IDB grant in the first instance. Um, and that's also partially um, how I found out about the FCDO grant. Um, so it's one thing looking for information, but also a, a key tip I, I would share is speak to people about the things that you're interested in. Speak to people about the things you love. Um, I think everybody in my close circle knows how fascinated I am with sargassum just as everybody in my uh, my business partner circle know know how fascinated she is with cosmetics and anything to do with beauty uh, and so because we talk about our passion and we talk about it passionately whenever other people see information about those things they'll naturally send it to us so that's actually what happened in this case uh, a friend of mine who's also a business associate he knows me as the sargassum lady because I'm always talking about sargassum. And uh, so when this grant came up about uh, sargassum research, he forwarded it to me immediately. He's like, Jen, that's for you, sargassum lady. <laughs> so, so that's, that's a, it's, it's, you know, it's a silly thing, but talk about 
what you're passionate about. That way the people around you, they can be your antenna, they can be your, your eyes and your ears on the ground to share information that, not, that might not reach to you directly. They can be conduits for that information. And so that's, that's often the case for me. Great, thanks, thanks for that, Evelyn. Um, and so I should, I should just specify, we are still in negotiations. Um, I wouldn't think of it as hurdles. I think th this is just a natural process of engaging with entities that don't know you. I think it's, it's a fairly common process in business, uh, especially as a startup company. Uh, we, we've been around for just one year and our product has been around for just two months. So part of it is having the confidence and, and boldness to reach out to established entities. Like we have reached out to the, some of the top hotels, uh, the top spas in Trinidad and Tobago, and also the national airline, Caribbean Airlines, which is a, which is a, a Caribbean icon. Um, and so I think it does take a bit of brazenness to, to reach out as a, as a startup. But the thing is, we believe in our products. Um, we have gone through the process of testing the research, we've launched it, and my business partner and I were both very passionate about what we do. And so I think that when we reached out to these entities, they, they feel our passion. Um, whether the product is good or not, and we think our product is the best, but they certainly are, are enthused by by our passion and so that they are they are willing to listen to us so we are still in talks um, and we've had very favorable discussions so far we're tweaking kind of tweaking our products to their specific needs for example with one of the spas that we've been talking to for a month now um, you know they wanted some very specific um, labeling specific information because of course they are basically going to have to vet or, or, or assure their clientele that, hey, this product is good for you. You know, they're taking on a responsibility to recommend our product to their clients. So they want particular assurances. They want, you know, a lot of background information about the ingredients. And that, I think it's quite normal. I don't, I don't see that as a hurdle in any way. Um, with regard to the national carrier, um, we are in discussion. They are in, in the process of revamping, for example, their duty-free shops and their online sales. So it's not something that's going to happen overnight, 
but we're hoping right now that we will be part of their their revamp and because um, we are an iconic brand although we're just two months old um, and so we we're, we're looking forward to that brand association with Caribbean Airlines um, with that that literally connects the Caribbean they, they fly to almost every destination across the wider Caribbean region and so having a product like like Spargasm which you know sargasm is a Caribbean problem it is a problem in all of the Caribbean islands so to, to be able to promote a, a solution a product that is a solution on board a, a Caribbean airline I think that's is just fantastic so no to hurdles I I, I I wouldn't use the word hurdles I would just say this is part of the the growing process um, as we grow as a business, um, as we grow our range of products, but also as we grow the relationships that we are nurturing. As, as I mentioned earlier with the spa, um, you have to build trust and that typically comes over time. So we we are doing our part to, to build that trust with the people we connect to. Um, and I think that's also uh, another point I wanna just highlight. Companies are not these generic entities. Companies are people. It's, you know, when you reach out to a company, you're speaking to a person, unless it's a bot that you're chatting with online. I don't know. But it's essentially a person reaching out to another person or a group of people. That's what a company is. And so I have just always found it um, useful to treat with people like you want to be treated. Uh, and that's that's how I go about approaching people that I don't know. Uh, introduce myself, let them know what I'm about, and um, keep it cordial and and try to to communicate my my passion for what I'm doing, so that they will give me a, a favorable A and at least want to hear me out. You know, whether they choose to say no or not afterward, that's that's fine. That's a decision, but. Um, so far, we've not had any closed doors. There's been no one who has said outright no. Um, so far, the persons that we've reached out to have been very open, very curious about what is this thing? It's sargassum, you know. For a lot of persons, actually, they would have their only encounter with sargassum would have been a negative encounter at the beach. Like you go into the water, you you want to swim, and you have these, you know icky sargassum sticking on you. So a lot of people have that negative um, idea of what sargassum is. So when we show them, well, hey, you can actually make a product that has um, properties that are great for your skin or great for your hair, they're immediately very curious to know, oh, well, how did you do that? And that's how we, that's how we open up the conversation.
Well, first of all, just start. I think that's the essential thing. Um, whether women or men, although I think women probably suffer from this condition a bit more than men in terms of second guessing ourselves and you know questioning whether we actually can. Um, fortunately, uh, my business partner, who is who is a girlfriend, uh, Donna Lisa Phillips, and I, we've we've been through some things in life, and um, those lessons, those life lessons, have taught us um, sort of the hard way that you don't have anything unless you go after it. Uh, there are very few things that you can just sit down and will come to you in life. You have to go after what you want. Now, some people might think, or I have heard some people say, well, actually, you attract what you want. Um, yes, I think you can attract what you want in life. But if you don't go out there and get it yourself, it can come to you and then it, could, it can keep on walking and pass you by. <laughs> if I'm to use that illustration. So that would be my first, my first tip. It is to, to go after what you want, you know, and not be afraid to start. Often starting is the hardest part. I have a girlfriend who also has a, a business and her, her tagline is um, the art of the start. Some people, many people, get stuck before they even start because you're you're figuring out all these things in your head and you you know you're going after these sort of perfectionist tendencies and you want to get everything absolutely perfectly right before you even start and that can be that can be a hurdle uh Evelyn earlier on you were asking me about the hurdle that can be a hurdle to getting anywhere because you you stop yourself from starting um so i would encourage women in particular to really just Go after your dreams. I mean, experiment. We're still, like I said earlier, and I, I have no qualms in saying we, we're working out of our kitchens. Um, my kitchen here in Tobago, my girlfriend is based in, in Trinidad. Um, and actually, you know what? That works for us because it literally is a product made in both islands. We harvest the sargassum here in Tobago, down the beach from where I live. I do the first processing, like I, like I showed you earlier. I always, I always hold up this little sample bottle. I do the first part of the processing. I send it down to my girlfriend in Trinidad, and she finishes off the product. So it's literally a product made in both islands. And for now, we're, we're humbly doing it in, out of our kitchens. Um, and we'll take the next stage when we're ready. You know, we've got some grand dreams. But the fact of the matter is right now, it's, it's a home-based business and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, that's another tip I want to share with women. There's nothing wrong with starting off small. Um, if I'm to quote scripture, the Bible actually says, do not despise small beginnings. The Lord rejoices to see the work begin. So just get started. You know, stop trying to make everything perfect before you start or waiting for the perfect circumstances, the perfect conditions. You must have all of this. You must have all of that before you start. No, just start. And you'll, you'll find the resources as you go along. You'll find the help as you go along. You'll find people who want to help you as you go along. And of course, as I said earlier, talk about what you're doing. Um, I don't believe in this notion of hiding because you think people are going to steal your idea. Um, you know, everybody can have a great idea, but there's so few people who actually act upon those ideas that in order for someone to steal your idea, they actually have to work. So I think you're pretty safe there. That would be uh, my, my tip for, for women getting into business or women wanting to grow their business.
inertia inertia yes <laughs> Thank you, Evelyn. And I hope that you will not just go to one of the islands, but that you'll come to my island. Come to Trinidad and Tobago. <laughs> it's a little bit far to get to from Mexico, but um, there, there are flights through Panama. They're not, not advertising, but there are Copa flights through Panama. It's fairly easy to get down to Trinidad and Tobago. And yeah, I, I hope that as the first company making Sargassum-based products here, that we will actually inspire others to to get on board because there's so many different uses for sargassum and the research is publicly available. You just literally do a Google search for sargassum and there's so many different resources that can come, that come up online. That's how I found, that's how I found this podcast. You know, I was just researching on sargassum and I said, Oh, the sargassum podcast. Like how, how cool is that? Somebody actually is doing a sargassum podcast. And so I think, yeah, it just, you know, it takes that curiosity, wanting to learn. And once you have a teachable spirit, you can learn again. I am not a scientist. Thankfully my, my girlfriend and my business partner, she has been making cosmetics. Incidentally, her day job, as you say, she's an auditor by training. That's her profession. Uh, she does the cosmetics um, at nights on the weekend. That's her, her like her passion project. Um, so thankfully, you know, she knows what she's doing in terms of formulating the products. But I don't have those skills. I'm just I'm literally uh, the brain or the mouthpiece. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Excellent. So, right. So you make a longer layover. You make a longer layover to Tobago. <laughs> well, que, que, sea, que sea bienvenida. <laughs> 
español. Podemos continuar en español. No hay ningún problema. Tenemos, tenemos muchos venezolanos aquí. Vas a, vas a escuchar español en la calle, caminando. Pues estamos aquí para, para darle la bienvenida. And Francisca, you too, you are, you're more than welcome to come visit when next time you're heading out to St. Vincent and the Grenadines. Tobago is not that far away. Excellent. Now, right, now you have more than one reason to come by, so we'd be happy to welcome you here. Thank you. Thank you and congratulations to you. Continued success with your podcast. It is very much needed and you've been doing a fantastic job of sharing the research about sargassum and, you know, what can be done with sargassum. So thanks for the opportunity to chat with both of you.